you do have a Bible tonight and you read along in our scripture reading, we're going to take a reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 19. The book of Matthew, chapter 19, we're going to read a very familiar narrative tonight and pray that if you're lost and don't know the Lord, that you would be attentive to the word of the Lord tonight. Matthew chapter 19, we're going to begin reading in verse 16. It says this, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do not murder, excuse me, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And that will conclude our reading this evening. It's reading Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. The title of our message tonight is The Danger of Riches. The Danger of Riches. My whole life, one of my favorite things about reading the Bible are the stories, the narratives. Jesus talks a lot in his his earthly ministry about the danger of riches, about the covetous heart. And he gives many lessons to people, but to me, this has always been the most powerful because I can imagine a person doing this. And this same story that we read here in Matthew chapter 19, in reality has been played out thousands and millions of times. In this very hour, it is played out often. The danger of riches. I went to school for economics. One of the most basic laws of economics is that there are no solutions, there are only trade-offs. In other words, when you choose one thing, you don't choose a whole bunch of other things. That you're giving up all the things you could do to choose the one thing that you chose. You see, I might begin tonight by making a plea to Christians about Jesus' teachings about riches. Because in our culture today, it has become so obsessed over. It has become such an idol 
that now it is beginning to creep within the hearts of many Christian people that somehow we can manage to have both, which is explicitly what Jesus taught against. I've heard Christians very often say, well, Brother Brad, God, there were many rich people in the Bible. You're correct. But I want you to notice the teachings of Jesus and the warnings of Jesus. If we were to go back to Matthew chapter 6 and we were to begin to read on the Sermon of the Mount, there's a very important way that Jesus begins to warn us of riches because he says this, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. In the Old Testament, we find people like Solomon or Abraham or Job, and at the core of their riches is the understanding that God was the one that made them rich. They may have been honest, they may have been industrious, they may have been faithful in their dealings, but at the core of it, the Bible teaches us in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 that Abraham was not mindful of things down here because he was seeking a country whose builder and maker was God. Our father Abraham had his thoughts and his sights set on heaven and what God did to his life on earth was God's prerogative, not Abraham's interests. He wanted spiritual riches and spiritual descendants. And God gave him spiritual descendants. To we Christians, I think there are two types of, of Christian mindset about riches today, both of which are wrong. We have the obvious one that's wrong, and that is the health, wealth, and prosperity doctrine. All you have to do is on Sunday morning turn on your TV and go to any national syndicated broadcast and you'll see people essentially saying, live a good life, that equates to riches on earth. God's blessings are what he does for you in this life, not just in the life to come. And you can find not only blessings in heaven and riches in heaven, but you can have both. And so don't think that if you're going through just a hard time now, you just wait because right around the corner if you're faithful, God will enrich your life. And we could very easily go through the scriptures and show you that even on the surface understanding of scriptures, that is obviously and patently false. But now just in the last number of years is our real wealth in the United States has grown to an unimaginable level. You realize the real wealth today is so much higher than even our grandparents' ages or, or before that. It's unimaginable that people today on welfare generally, what studies have shown is they have two vehicles, they have two TVs at home, they have air conditioning in their home, and they have every person in the home that's, a, that's considered an adult has a cell phone. And those people are impoverished today according to our standards. Every politician now has become obsessed with one thing. How they're going to enrich your life. If you'll just follow them. And I think many people have, all, have determined that their vote will be solely dictated upon the pocketbook vote. And yet Jesus brings to us this radical understanding 
You see, I want us to realize tonight that if we're here and God blesses us with wealth, which he has for many of us tonight, that God has done that solely for one reason, and that is to advance the kingdom of God. You are being entrusted with something that perhaps others have not been. And with that stewardship, God desires you to use it that the gospel might go forward and that people that you would lay up for yourselves or for others, treasures in heaven where moth and rust does not corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. And when men and women set their hearts and affections upon those things and are willing to back their riches with those things, we'll see progress in the kingdom of God and advancing upon the kingdom of the world. You see, the problem, the second subtlety is that we can have both. It's that we can serve God on Sunday and on Wednesdays and then our minds can be solely focused upon laying up things on the earth. As long as you do it honestly, then it's okay. But let me tell you a truth that's vital to understand. If you do that, realize there's a trade-off. And it's a costly one. And here's what I mean. With my day, I have so much time that I can allocate. So... One of the things that's the most precious to me, that's the most important to me, is how am I allocating my time? Because you only get so much, and every day it decreases. Unlike our bank accounts, which can go up and down, our time for the rest of our lives, every moment is diminishing. And every moment that I spend exerting my energy for my own comfort and riches is a moment that I am deducting from what I can spend and exerting my energy for the Lord. You've got to be very careful because what oftentimes happens, and here's why I'm starting here, is because if we value things of the world beyond what their proper place is, then a lost world will look to us and distort the value of worldly things. And they will become deceived as to whether it is proper and right to spend their time seeking God and his kingdom and the things of the Lord or after our precedent and example, seeking after things of the world and placing God in the appropriate box that we have set out for him. You see, it's an important precedent to set that people know not only by our words, but by our actions that riches mean nothing in comparison to serving and finding the Lord. Because here we're left with this young man, and I think it's notable that he's a young man. Because young people don't have the experience and the wisdom that you develop over time. Right To realize that as a young man, you are aspiring to things. You're wanting to have experiences that you've never experienced before. You're wanting to obtain goods and riches that you've watched older people have. And so you aspire to those things. And there's something about the newness of it that is enticing. And so this young man has aspired to riches. And in, in some capacity, he's obtained them. 
And now he's looking to add salvation. But one thing I want to point out to you is that amongst all the riches that he had, he comes to Jesus and he asks him about eternal life. That's the first question he asked. But then he asks him a second question, which is this. He, he asks Jesus, what, do I, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives him this list of commands that he can accomplish. And he says this, I've done all of these things from my youth up, and then he asked this vital question, what lack I yet? Well, I thought he was rich. Well, he was. He was rich in the world, and he was poor in his heart. He was lacking something. You know, when I turn on the television today, 99.9% .9 of the people that I see on there are people who are poor in their spirits. They have wealth and wasted upon things that we could never even imagine. You ever thought about a billion dollars and how much that is? That's a lot of money. You know, I remember learning one day, this is a number of years ago when I was in an economics course, the professor said if Bill Gates spent a million dollars a day for the rest of his life, he still wouldn't run out of money. Wow. I think I could do that for a day or two, maybe. Right. But then after that, I don't know. They're rich in the world. And the world has set them upon this pedestal to aspire to. Young people today, I want you to know that that's, that's a lie. That the world spreads. is Be like that person on Twitter. Be like that person who has so many followers or they'll put before you their lifestyle. Oftentimes that's the subliminal message they send you with what they're posting. It's not really about the contents of what they post as much as demonstrating before you the picture-perfect life that they have accumulated for themselves. And you look at it and you say, man, I just wish I could have a, something like that. But I'll ask you this question, and some of you could answer this. Have you ever aspired towards something like that and got it? I have. I've aspired towards something. I've shared this before. I've aspired towards something. I was real big into sports whenever I was in high school. And in our little area, we were one of the really small schools, so we always competed against bigger schools. And one of the things that was very competitive in the area I was in was track and field. So I began to take it real serious. And I became pretty good at it. I became a long jumper. And I wanted so bad, I went to all these little meets with these piddly schools, and I won and got these little blue ribbons. But you know what I really wanted was to go to those big meets and achieve something. So, by God's grace, I did. I went to our meet, our county meet, and I won. I was in the paper. There's a picture of me, and I'm flying through the air. I was so proud of it. Put it up on the refrigerator, and coach made comment about it. And here for a couple weeks, I was just, I was as proud as can be. Well, it wasn't a couple weeks. It was a long time I was so proud of that. Next year came around, and it was my senior year, and I pulled my hamstring. I couldn't jump. I was sitting there, and. I was still pretty proud, you know, thinking, 
Well, I won last year, and had I been here this year, well, these guys wouldn't have stood much of a chance. And there was a photographer that I knew that he did the sports photography there in our, for our little local paper. And I had interviewed with him before and talked to him. And I thought I knew him. I thought I thought I'd made a name for myself, right? And I saw him across from the sand pit from me, and he was talking about the event. And he asked this crushing question. Who won this last year? It crushed me. Because I recognized how fleeting that it was. You see, I work towards something, and I want you to think, lost friend, tonight. What's the thing that you value? I mean, what's the thing that means more to you than anything? What is it that your heart has set its affections upon, and thus your life has been oriented around it? So let me tell you that a greater fear than not reaching it is reaching it, and it has no value. That's the greatest thing that people fail to learn is that they think if I strive with all of my effort and I, I try and I try to win this award or I try to reach the status of wealth or I try to uh, have these experiences and they strive for those things and people live in fear and they stay up at night and they think and they plan and they organize and they get together and they read books and they do all number of things to orient their life towards it because they're afraid, what if I don't achieve it and aspire to the aspirations that I've had? But what I would say is this, the most, heart, or the most emptying thing you could ever experience is that you live an entire life aspiring towards riches and wealth and then you achieve it and you recognize at the end what that man Solomon told us in the book of Ecclesiastes that vanity is vanity all is vanity and here's what you've done you have wasted your entire life for something that doesn't matter my wife she told some of you this story when we were dating she she uh, got invited to go to this international this big uh, corporate internship, the shoe company, Puma. And I was really against it. I wasn't going to get to see my girlfriend for 12 weeks. And I was preaching at the time, and I just saw no value in it whatsoever. Like, I just, I just, you're going over there to Germany. And, but I learned a really important lesson that her and I were just talking about here recently. You see, in her life, she had always aspired towards that. And her parents had already always pushed her. Corporate success, educational success, that's what matters. Getting to the top, that's what matters. Being happy, that's what matters. And so God allowed her to go. And she spent 12 weeks over there. And you know what they did? They fine-dined her. She went out with the big corporate people for the global headquarters. And she got to travel to Sweden and feel important. And we would talk every single day on the phone or on video. And now I recognize that it was necessary for her to go. Now she recognizes it was necessary, but for an altogether different reason than what it began to be. You see, what it was looked at at the moment was a stepping stone. 
a resume builder. Whoa, look at this girl. She's done a corporate internship at Puma, North America, or excuse me, Puma International. And she went over there, and she fine-dined, and she met all these people, and they had all these really cool titles, you know, like you have when you're part of this big company. And the more she got to know them, the emptier she found them. The loneliness, the unhappiness that they had in life. It wasn't what she thought. And slowly, her aspirations began to change. And I'm thankful that they did. See, what I'm not talking about is fulfilling our duty to provide for our families. What I'm talking about is where your heart is. There's a difference. Listen to me, lost friend. I believe the greatest pitfall in our nation for you today is to strive, is to be told to strive after something that means nothing. It hurts me when I see young people waste their life. And here's the reason why. Because I know there's going to come a moment in their life where sorrow finds them. There's no doubt in my mind that there will come a moment. For some, it comes early. For some, it takes a lifetime. But there comes a moment where they recognize they've been chasing after the wind. And they'll never catch it. And they will be forgotten. And their fleeting passions will be forgotten. This man was required to do what all of us are required to do if we will ever find eternal life. And that is value God more than we value anything else. Anything. And that's hard to do. My sinful heart lusts after so many things, covets so many things. Here I've heard, you know, this man comes to Jesus and he's, this man is so messed up in his mindset. And I can't go through all the things that he says wrong here and how Jesus is approaching him. But here's what I want to get to. Jesus makes this offer to him. And he says this, you're a rich man, but you've got a God in your way and that's your wealth. And so what I want you to do is destroy that God and come and follow me. And if you do that, you'll inherit eternal life. You know, I've heard people say before, well, Jesus didn't mean that. Jesus just, once he got in a condition of heart, that'd have been okay. You know, when a person gets to the condition of heart where they're willing to do that, it's indifferent to them whether they do it or not. I think Jesus meant exactly what he said. You go sell all that you have and prove in your heart that that's what you want more than anything else. And you'll have eternal life. What, a, what an offer that is benefiting. You know, the brother said, you know, from our vantage point, he was talking earlier about this, this brother, uh, brother Button, I think you, you said his name was, and how he, 
you know, from our vantage point, it doesn't make sense. I always have to remember it's because our vantage point is so skewed. To us, this offer of Jesus seems so unreasonable. But is it? Is it? I wrote down this quote I read one time. Here's what it said. I wrote this down so I could read it to you. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Isn't that awesome? He is no fool who gives, gives it up, what he can't keep, in order to gain something he cannot lose. What an offer that God is giving to this man, and what an offer that God is giving to you. If you'll give up things that one day, listen to me, you'll have to give up anyway. You can't keep them anyway. And God says, give them up to me. Give up your spouse. Give up your riches. Give up your aspirations and your hopes and your dreams and your plans. Give those things up because you can't take them with you anyway. And if you'll give all of those up and surrender them to me, I'll give you something beyond comparison that you cannot lose. Won't you do that tonight? Won't you give it up? I ask you this question, is there something in your life that you prize and treasure more than Jesus Christ? Is it the comfort? Is it, your, is it your, your plans that you have for the future? Is it the lifestyle that you find yourself in? Is it the riches? Here's what this man did. He, learned, he heard Jesus offer and he thought about his riches. You know, there are some things. I was telling Brother Brian the other night, we were talking about basketball and and uh, I told him, I said, you know, I, I got called to preach when I was in high school. And the basketball team that I was a part of wasn't a very moral basketball team. I'll just put it back. It wasn't an environment very conducive to being a preacher. And those things in my mind, I just couldn't reconcile being called into the ministry and, and really pursuing that because I pursued basketball with the same intensity that I wanted to pursue the ministry and, and what the Lord's work was. And those two things were incompatible. And so tonight you might be one here that was just like me in that per particular situation that you say, you know, I've built this lifestyle and this way that I live. How is that going to be compatible with me surrendering my life to Christ? I was, I was listening to this lady talk about she was a practicing homosexual and she was married according to the laws that the state that she was in. And she had a life, a joint account and a joint house and all these things. And she was feeling like God was calling her to himself and she had listened to the gospel and she was knowing that there was something wrong within and, and God was confronting her sin, not only her sin of homosexuality, but just all sin in her life and her heart was broken and she was down and she was calling out to God and she tells of herself that she found this incredible infusion of love come all over her and she began to laugh and she looked up to heaven because she was this person who owned a, a magazine for LGBTQ rights and it went out to hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of people. And she had already been paid to be a speaker at this New York City rally advancing LGBTQ rights. And she looked up to God and she said, God, I can't get saved today. 
I can't get saved today. Do you know what I have to do next week? Or in other words, this, my life is incompatible with what you just did for me. And here's what I would tell you. Let God figure it out later. You don't have to figure it all out right now. Here's what I would do. I would do what this woman did. Let me finish her story. She surrendered to the Lord. And according to her testimony, gave a very powerful testimony where God saved and changed her. And she knew, I cannot walk in the old, old creature that I was. I must walk in newness of life. But God told her, I want you to go out to that place where you're supposed to give a speech. So she went out there and she was on a panel. She was that important amongst that community that she was on this panel of four or five people. And she was up there and she was... This person was interviewing all these people about how are they going to advance LGBTQ rights? What are they going to do with their platforms and all these? How did it get started? And all these different questions. And it came to the last question of the night. And it was this. What, what do you see the future of your enterprise doing for this cause? And she said, I knew God opened a door. So she said, I see my magazine taking a 180 degree turn. We have done everything we can to encourage people and advance people into this. And now I'm going to show that, that there is freedom from it. She said, the whole room went silent. Finally, they awkwardly moved on. She said there was a reception afterward, and that was the first thing that came to her mind after she said that. There's a reception where we're supposed to meet all these people that we're speaking to. The Lord told her, she said, oh, well, I'm not staying for the reception. And the Lord said, well, if you're going to do what you just told those people, what a better place to start than right here. And so she went out to that reception. And at first she said that she was like a leper, Everybody just left her alone. And then one by one, people started coming up to her and saying, God's been speaking to me for a long time. And I know I'm not doing what God wants me to do. Will you help me come out of this sin and this lifestyle? See, here's the irony of it. It became a platform for her to use for God's glory. Isn't that the beauty of God's design? Here's my point tonight. You may have striven with your whole life and built an entire lifestyle pursuing a certain object, pursuing a certain thing, and you're now in the midst of it, and God is putting your feet to the fire and saying, listen, this is what you've got to give up. You've got to surrender all of it to me and come, and that was the last thing he told that man. You give up all of those things, go give them to the poor, and come and follow me, and you say to yourself, I don't know how that the life I've lived up to this point is in any way compatible to following after Christ, but here's what I I will tell you, God can do miraculous things when you lay your life at his feet and let him do what he chooses with your life. And that's what God wants you to do. 
God calls all people from all backgrounds, rich or poor, from the ghetto, from the wealthy places in life. He calls all professions. He calls all ages to come and surrender at his feet and let him do with your life what the potter does with the clay. And that is molded into the vessel that is worthwhile and beneficial for things that last in eternity, not rot here. Are you willing tonight, Sister Ashley, as we get a song? Are you willing? This is, my, this is the question Jesus put to him. This is the decision that all of us have to make. This is the point we all have to get to if we're ever going to find God. Lord, I surrender everything I value, all the riches and accolades I can earn, if I can find you. I would rather, and I've said this before, I'd rather my boys... Grow up, and it's not an either or necessarily, but it is in the heart. I would rather them grow up fully set upon furthering and seeking first the kingdom of God and saying, you know, Dad, I haven't made a lot of provisions. I'm going to go work maybe down here in the factory, and I'm going to try to be a light down there in that factory, and I'm going to try to spread the gospel there, Dad. You know, sons, I already got 529 planes set up for you. You can't do that. I wouldn't say that. I'd say, son, whatever I can do. Dad, I feel like I'm supposed to go and teach in the colleges and help these, these students that are searching for truth. I'd say, son, whatever I can do, as long as you're seeking first the kingdom of God. Don't, listen, lost friend, saved friend as well, don't cling to what you cannot keep to gain something you will inevitably lose. Don't do it. You have the opportunity tonight to lay it all at his feet. Give it to him and walk away. Let him have it. You don't need it. You don't need it.